0: everyone i'm alicia i'm ashley and this is Nerds. we hope everyone is enjoying their holiday weekend before we jump into this missing persons case we just wanted to go over some quick little side notes about our show we are so thankful and grateful for the support and constructive criticism we're getting, truly. We, um, all it does is help us get better, and the only way we can progress and grow is by hearing real words of advice. Thank you for the kind words and helpful tips, and we can do better, so we can do better and better with each episode. With that being said, we are trying very hard to get our audio better. We entered the world of podcasting with literally no knowledge of what to do. Just the idea that we wanted to talk about these cases and would figure it out along the way. We are still recording from our homes, still learning how to properly use our software, but that is all going to change in January. We were able to sit down with our producer and the whole team in the studio for the first time this week, and I absolutely cannot wait for the huge change that is about to happen for us at Merd and Golden Image. Well said, my dude. So Golden Mojo Music and Golden Image Studio is a family-run business, each person is extremely intelligent and talented. They um, have art, songwriting, music production, recording, editing, instrumentals, tech. They literally do it all. Combined, they have decades of experience in education and music and production. We can't stress how thankful that we, we are to be invited to work with them. And we can't wait to watch our own show and their future shows blossom. So thank you to Jeremy and um, Skylar, Gunner, all of them for believing in murderers and giving us a chance to be a part of their podcast family. Ashley, you got anything you want to say? Um,
1: oh, oh yeah. Okay. So I read something crazy. Sorry. I read something crazy yesterday. Let me pull it up here. So, If you guys are murder nerds like us, I'm guessing you've all heard of the West Memphis 3 case. Oh my
0: god, I know about
1: this. You read it too? Yes, I read it too. Holy crow. Okay, so, basically, back in the day, they said that they lost all the evidence in a fire, so the guys had to do the Alfred plea, which doesn't exonerate you, it just sets- it. You can just get out of prison, but you still are entering a guilty verdict. So, whatever. Well, let's see. The- Police chief retired like three, four, five days ago, like just, yeah. just retired. And all of a sudden, Damian Eccles, one of his lawyers, has access to all of this evidence that was supposedly burnt up in a fire. Yeah. So there's going to be some, this is going to be big, very interesting to see what develops now because they have all of that evidence. I am so excited. I love this case. It is, it's, it's got everything. It's got everything.
0: Yeah. They, I read that, um, they, well, I didn't read, but I'm, now that they have all this evidence, it was one of the the men's lawyers, correct? Or was it? It was Damien
1: Eccles' lawyer. Okay. So... I don't remember his name.
0: Now it's like, okay, are the police going to be charged for lying? Are all the people that covered this up said there was a fire? They had no documentation of this fire ever happening. They're yeah, kind of like yeah. The fire
1: station's like no. Yeah, no. It makes no sense. But yeah, that's exculpatory evidence. But it it was like almost like because that's like in a trial, exculpatory evidence. Either the defense or the prosecution is holding things back. In this case, I would think the police would be on the prosecution side, but it's. I don't know. It's gonna be really cool to see how this unfolds and what they figure out because I would really like this case to be solved. This is yeah. like like this is like the John Bonet case. Like this is a biggie. It's a biggie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um okay, so now for today's story. My sources are the FBI website, W A N E fifteen news website. Fox News 55, R slash Fort Wayne on the Reddit pages. Um, The Facebook group created and admin by Kevin's family helped bring Kevin Nguyen home. I also listen to a YouTube podcast called the Unfound Podcast Channel. Before I get into Kevin's story, I want to talk a little bit about Fort Wayne, where Kevin lived and inevitably went missing. Fort Wayne has the second largest population in Indiana with about 270,000 people. But even though it's the second largest in the state, in the aspect of the entire country, it's still considered a medium-sized city. Fort Wayne is growing and growing at a tremendous rate due to the colleges, eight of them, drawing in college students from around the state and around the country, even the world. With more young people in the community, this allows for Fort Wayne to grow more diverse in its nightlife and entertainment scene. Even with the growing population, Fort Wayne isn't really a bad place to live. Its crime rate is on par with other cities around the country, and in perspective of the state of Indiana, it ranks 26th, being topped by 24 other cities with a much lower population. That doesn't add up. Back in 2018, I remember vividly seeing Kevin's face popping up on my Facebook feed over and over. A lot of friends from Fort Wayne, or I have a lot of friends from Fort Wayne, and all of them around are around the same age as Kevin, so it was like taking a front row seat watching it hit the community hard. Not only because someone was missing, but the circumstances surrounding the disappearance didn't, and still don't, make sense at all. The timeline for this case can be confusing, so please bear with me, because a lot goes on in a really short amount of time. Kevin was 25 when he went missing. He's an Asian male, 6 foot tall, around 150 to 180 pounds, Short black hair and brown eyes. Family and friends described Kevin as a quiet, kind, well-mannered person. He was introverted. He had a very close knit of friends, close group knit of friends. He loved playing video games, especially with his friends online. Kevin enjoyed anime and was a very talented artist. He was going to school in Fort Wayne, Ivy Tech if I believe correctly, for art. He was also interested in martial arts and he was skilled in martial arts. So I want you to remember that. Overall, Kevin was just a well liked, easygoing person. He had no history of crime, no history of causing issues, no bad behaviors. He wasn't addicted to drugs or alcohol, and he had no history of mental health issues. He was simply just living his life as a college student. He still lived at home with his close family and was just an average 20 something kid. He was just like any of us.
1: What school did he go to? Ivy Are Tech. You? Okay. So, right across from IPFW? Mm-hmm.
0: I believe. I believe he went to Ivy Tech. Yeah. On the night of December 8th, 2018, Kevin Nguyen had decided to go out to the Brass Rail Bar located on Broadway in Fort Wayne, which is only about 4.5 miles from his home. He had been there several times before, but on this particular night, he had been invited to attend a comedy and music show. He had been invited on Facebook by an unknown female. What we do know about this woman is that she is a popular musician in Fort Wayne herself, but she wasn't playing that night. It's not really known if she had invited him to go out to the event with her, if they were friends, or if she had just invited him to to it because she knew he had similar music tastes and that he would enjoy it. The weather that night in Fort Wayne was cold. It stayed 19 degrees that night and into the morning. There was very little snow, some ice, but overall everything was pretty clear for it being December. Kevin's sister dropped him off at the brass rail and he was only wearing a light sweatshirt. He was absolutely not dressed for the cold and not dressed to be outside or walking home. Like I stated earlier, Kevin had been to the Brass Rail several other times. I wouldn't call him a regular, but the staff knew him enough to remember him. A bouncer even recalled that he had remembered Kevin, had been there before, and never, ever caused issues at the bar. He was respectful, and he just kind of kept himself. Not unlike college students, Kevin would go out to bars with friends or to mingle, like this night, but he didn't have a history of heavily drinking or drinking to get drunk. A few weeks prior to December 8th, Kevin had been at a different bar with friends, and even though he drove, he knew not to drive after drinking. He called his dad to come pick him up, so he has a history of being responsible Mm -hmm. while drinking. PSA, don't drive after drinking, ever. On the night of December 8th, shortly after being dropped off around 10 by his sister and going into the brass rail, patrons and staff started noticing Kevin acting oddly. At first he was his normal self, but at the drop of a hat he was acting wild. He started drinking quickly, which is not his norm, and started making rude and passive comments towards women. Then he started harassing people. People who were familiar with Kevin were shocked by his behavior because this was not Kevin. Now, before I move forward with the story, there are conflicting reports on this. It's stated he was kicked out between one and four times between when he arrived at 10, 1030 and 1 a.m. What I can find, he was kicked out at least two times. Jeez. The first time I discovered he was kicked out was around 1 a.m. A bouncer asked him to leave, so he paid his tab, which was about $30, and walked out the front door. Outside the bar was a food truck parked on the curb, and he bought a piece of pizza between 1 and 1.30.
1: Can I ask a question? Yeah. Were people buying him drinks because $30 is not a very high bar tab? Exactly. For him to that's, do that hammer. That's
0: what I was thinking. Okay. So, this was known because of his banking statements and, I don't usually go to bars, but like I said, thir- like you said, $30 just doesn't seem like a very big tab at a bar, but that's also dependent on what you're drinking and how much. So we can't really weigh how drunk he could have been based off of that, especially when we know that from what his family and friends stated, Kevin wasn't a big drinker.
1: Yeah. I guess that could be like 10 beers at three bucks a pop.
0: Yeah. I mean, there could have been specials that night. Mm-hmm. Like you said, people could have been buying him booze, but it was like immediately as he got there- Within no amount of time, he started acting just not himself.
1: Hmm. Odd. Yeah.
0: At 1.30, Kevin was caught on surveillance footage at Arby's, at an Arby's located roughly a block away from the brass rail. In the footage, you can see Kevin walk past in the direction of his home, and he trips over a curb. Was he that drunk? Kevin had glasses that he needed. Could he not see? Or was it a simple mistake and he just wasn't paying attention?
1: I know this case.
0: Do you know it? (laughs) I know it now as soon as you said that. Okay, sorry. You're fine. Somehow Kevin ended up back at the brass rail. Footage from the Arby's does not show him going back and it's unsure what time he had made it back to the bar. There was an anonymous woman who posted on social media who calls herself Miss X. She claims to be an eyewitness and reported that she saw everything that went on inside the bar that night. Miss X stated that Kevin had gone into the woman's bathroom when he returned. Whether his being in the bathroom was a mistake or was just malicious, it's not really known. When someone went in to use the restroom, they found him and reported it to staff. A bouncer had to drag him out, which upset Kevin, and he ended up making a running charge towards the bouncer. Did they say
1: it, he was just like hanging out in there, or he was confused and he was using the restroom? I don't, I don't know. They didn't say. Okay. Because, I mean, that could be a mistake you're drunk. You just go and pee in yeah. the wrong
0: oh, yeah. restroom. Yeah, and that's – I mean, it's it, – they really didn't talk about what time he got back. And I feel like that's a really important aspect of it is because how long had he been in the women's bathroom? Like, yeah, that's insane. Like, Someone a- went
1: in and caught him mm-hmm. and reported him. I'm like, okay, so he's just hanging out in there.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so they had to drag him out of the women's bathroom. And then he made a running charge towards the bouncer. The bouncer had to physically take him down, then dragged him out to the back smoking area, which then several other people had continued to drag him out to the back parking lot. Somehow, Kevin got lodged between two parked cars. It stated that either outside the bar, in the parking lot, or within the bar, someone called for an Uber for Kevin. When the Uber arrived, Kevin became erratic and refused to get into the vehicle. This information to me needs to be heard with caution because it is coming from an anonymous source. There's a phenomenon within missing people, murders and unsolved true crime, etc., where people feel like they need to insert themselves into it in some way. Whether it is fluffing up their own part in the events, sharing rumors, or sharing information that they heard from someone else and labeling it as their own, it's borderline virtue signaling and they basically want to be involved in it to make themselves feel better and feel like they're making a difference when they might not be at all. What is sure is that those at the bar were concerned and alarmed by Kevin's behavior because it was so unusual for him. Every move Kevin made that night was not normal and definitely not normal for him. Even the comedian that performed that night said Kevin was being intense from what he witnessed. Kevin was not himself and everyone around noticed. After the entire scene with the bouncer and refusing the Uber, a lady was at the that was at the bar that night, not sure if just staff or a, just a patron, asked Kevin if he would like her to give him a ride. She said Kevin seemed really out of it. He declined her offer and then walked off. Now I have a quick question. Yeah. I know you said that
1: girl invited him online Mm -hmm. and there's like some question marks around that, but so he went to this bar by himself. Yes. Okay. Okay.
0: From, from what it's, sorry. You're fine. From what the understanding is, is that his sister dropped him off and he was alone then. Whether there was somebody there with him, I don't, I couldn't find anything Mm -hmm. about whether he met up with somebody there or if he was just there by himself. Yeah. That girl did. Ask him on Facebook to go. But like I said, I don't I don't know if she was there or what was happening with that. It's so up in the air about it's it's just odd. The whole situation's odd. Okay. Between the times of two and two thirty AM, Kevin had made a phone call to his sister asking for a ride home from the brass rail. Instead, his mom came to pick him up. She arrived at the brass rail between two thirty and three AM. Kevin wasn't waiting for her. She ended up getting out and asking someone in the bar if he was there, and they informed her that no, he wasn't, and he had been kicked out several times. She returned to her car and tried to call him several times, and he didn't answer. He's got a solid support system, people dropping him off and picking him up, and Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. On footage captured by the same Arby's that caught Kevin on camera the first time, Kevin had been seen walking past at around 2.44 a.m., The second footage shows Kevin on the same path towards his house, acting much more sober than the previous footage. In the footage, he is seen reaching into his pocket, pulling something out, looking at it, then putting it back in his pocket and continuing walking. I would assume he was looking at his phone. I don't know for sure if his mother went looking for him that night or just assumed he had caught a ride with someone else or maybe assumed he was walking home already. But Kevin never came home. The second footage from Arby's is the last documented location of Kevin. I'm not sure the exact date he was reported missing and filed within the police department, but within a few days of him going missing, all local news stations in Fort Wayne were notifying the public that Kevin was missing. 150 volunteers, family and friends started searching the area around the brass rail, mapping out all possible ways he could have been taken or he could have taken to try to get home. The search or they searched everywhere, including dumpsters, alleyways, anywhere Kevin could have been. They put up missing persons flyers and started asking businesses in the area if they had seen Kevin. All around the Brass Rail are mostly businesses, and at the time Kevin disappeared, considering it was around 10 to 3 a.m., they were all closed. Family and friends circulated the businesses asking for footage. Shockingly, the only place that had footage, at least the only business that would show the family, was the Arby's near the Brass Rail. The police didn't even ask for it. The family did. Mm -hmm. After Kevin had been reported missing, the police went to the brass rail to question what had went on. They spoke to the owner. The owner showed the the police footage, the police, the video footage, (laughs) excuse me, but not the family. The owner refuses to allow the family to see the footage. Only the police and the owner know what is on that footage. None of the attendees at the brass rail have been spoken to by police or even questioned. The only information that's been given about what went on with Kevin has been given by the people themselves coming forward. Phone pings were documented from Kevin's phone. Three days after he went missing, there was a ping close, within close range of the brass rail. I'm unsure if that information was received three days later or if the actual phone pinged off a tower three days later. The issue with phone pings is that they do not locate the exact position of a phone or a person. They only give a general area of where the phone is, so it's kind of up in the air. I can't stress this enough. Please use a GPS tracker on your phone with at least one other person. Whether it be Google Maps, Apple's Find by iPhone, Live 360, Google Family Link, there's a ton out there. This could be crucial in an emergency. On December 21st, during the continued search party efforts, people looking for Kevin found his glasses in the back parking lot of the Brass Rail. These were prescription glasses that Kevin needed to be able to see. Not only that, these were expensive glasses that he took pride in. His glasses were found behind a parked car tire, bent, broken, with the lenses popped out. This leads me to believe that the story told by Miss X could have well been true, considering people don't normally lose their glasses, especially if they need them to function. This also shows that the cops didn't search the parking lot. They would have found these glasses. There was no snow to hide them at the time Kevin disappeared. It had been nearly two weeks, and I'm sure with traffic going in and out of the parking lot, they could have been broken more. So, the
1: cops didn't organize this search it was the family that organized the search it's
0: the family that's been doing the search parties so
1: they didn't interview anyone Nope. the only thing they were doing was tracking his phone or or tracking his pings
0: well that's a good question i don't know if the police did it or if the family reached out to their phone company and asked for it there's a lot of lack of police effort in this Mm mm-hmm disappointing. Yeah. How could such a crucial clue, like the glasses, go completely unnoticed by law enforcement? Kevin's dad, Lance Yankee, has been openly upset with the detectives on this case. The police are stating there is no reason to support foul play. <laughs> yeah. There is nothing. I know. It's comical. Because how That's could ridiculous. you? It's ridiculous. Smash glasses behind a dumpster. And not only that, we have this, once again, an unnamed source, Miss X, stating that she did see assault take place upon Kevin. But, mm. yeah, yeah. She it's could be all, anybody, like, yeah. yeah. Yep. So they continuously seem to avoid wanting to actively pursue the search for Kevin. They basically left this all into the hands of family, friends, and those who want to volunteer their time. The support is lacking when it comes to law enforcement. Lance has steadily been keeping the search for Kevin active, especially on social media. The Facebook group he runs called Help Bring Kevin Nguyen Home currently has over 3,000 members. I joined this group not too long ago, and it's honestly heartbreaking. It's such a safe place for the family and friends of Kevin to share their memories about him and talk about what is going on with the case. Each year on Kevin's birthday, October 4th, they still celebrate the special day, they get a cake, and they share it amongst their family. They've been able to raise money several times to erect billboards around Fort Wayne asking the question we all want to know. What happened to Kevin? There are no leads to where Kevin is or any persons of interest in regards to Kevin being missing. Kevin just seemed to have disappeared into thin air.
1: What Uh, year did this happen? I'm sorry. 2018.
0: Oh, my Lord. Yeah, not too long ago. That's
1: ridiculous. Mm
0: -hmm. All we have is theories and speculations. But before I talk about the theories, I want to talk about the brass rail itself. I feel like this is of some importance. The Brass Rail is a pretty well-known and popular bar in the area. They house a lot of local music artists, performers, and it's mostly a hipster, punk, alternative kind of dive bar. I find it extremely odd that one, it's widely known in the community that the owner lives right across from the bar and has cameras pointing towards the bar. So the area was heavily surveyed. And two, none of the footage from the bar in the owner's home have been shown. It's strictly stayed between the owner and the police. Why wouldn't they want the family to see the footage themselves? A year before Kevin went missing, there was another murder loosely connected to the brass rail with very little information about it. Michael Wilcher had gone there with a family member, and it's unknown why, but they were both kicked out. They were reported as driving away, going towards the same direction that Kevin was going the night he went missing. It's pretty much a mystery of what happened after that, but Wilcher was found with blunt force trauma just a few blocks away from the brass rail not in a vehicle. He was transported to the hospital where he later died and it was ruled a homicide. There was only one suspect, a female. I'm assuming the family member he was with, but she was cleared. And since there was, and there was been no other leads, I'm not saying it's connected to Kevin, but I find it so odd that there is an unsolved case of a homicide a year before Kevin went missing and they had left the same place going the same direction. And there's little to no information about it. Here are my theories and questions that I've acquired after learning about Kevin's story. Why was Kevin acting so bizarre that night? Did he drink too much? He didn't normally drink, but maybe he he had went beyond his normal personality and just drank too much that night. He had to have been basically binge drinking to get that drunk that quickly, and only spending $30 doesn't sit right with me. When you're a bartender, you're under legal obligation to not allow someone to drink to the point of getting like this. I feel like the bartenders would have been able to read his level of alcohol consumption. But considering there was no slow creep into his behavior, it all happened pretty much suddenly. I truly don't feel like he was drunk.
1: Um, Can I just chime in? I know you're not a big drinker. You don't go out a lot. Mm-hmm. I do and I am. Yeah, And I do and I am. And they don't care. <laughs> Most bartenders. They're legally obligated to. I know. I realize that. But. I have left a bar blacked out more times than I can count because I don't know how many times it was. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, so
0: messed up, though, because when you you have to get your liquor license and your bartending license, which I had to get a couple years ago, it states in your education that you have to cut people off. Like when I worked at the liquor store, I had to cut people off when I knew they were coming in drunk. And I had so many people mad at me, but it's like if they get in a car accident mm-hmm. or cause – themselves or somebody else to die I could be held legally responsible for that
1: and that's even different you're even less responsible just selling them closed alcohol mm-hmm. but bartenders it's still- have a lot of responsibility that I and I'm not dissing on bartenders have been a bartender it's, yeah it's tough to make those calls and you want your repeat customers a lot of times your repeat customers are drunks mm-hmm. and they're the ones that you make money off of and like I get that but yeah there is a big responsibility with that and I don't think a lot of bartenders take it as seriously as they should yeah
0: oh I agree Did he consume some kind of drug? Even though he didn't have a known history of drug use, maybe that night was his first time trying a drug, and since he didn't normally use drugs, he didn't know how he would act. I find this highly unlikely, given all the statements his family has made. Kevin was responsible. If someone wants to try a drug for the first time, it seems really far-fetched that they're going to go out, let alone go out by themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could have been drugged, but then that indicates... Definite foul play. That's my next theory. No, you're okay.
0: (laughs) Was he drugged by someone? It was stated by patrons at the bar that he was totally normal and fine. Then all of a sudden he wasn't. Drugging in bars is extremely common, but it's mostly something that we see as happening to women. A study in the journal Psychology of Violence reports that more than 1 in 13 people have had their drink spiked. It's most prominent in college communities to have a pill or liquid put into your drink. Could Kevin have been a victim of someone spiking his drink? I really think this is extremely possible.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Was he having a mental health crisis? A lot of times college age is when mental health issues become apparent.
1: I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Usually around this age is when things like schizophrenia, um, extreme anxiety, extreme depression, um, just a mental health crisis Mm -hmm. in general, that's when they usually come out is between the ages of like 18 and 30. So roughly college age. Um, So let's jump right back into um, some theories. Could what Miss X stated with the bouncers and other men have actually happened? Did Kevin get hurt and they panicked? Since the timeline is so close between when he was kicked out, when he called his sister, his mom arriving and the surveillance footage, it's speculated that maybe he was in the back parking lot being assaulted when his mom arrived. And that's why he didn't answer his phone.
1: Yeah, that's on my list. The bar- bouncer roughed him up. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But I do feel like there would have been blood or other signs of foul play at the bar itself. Kevin was educated in martial arts, too. He would have fought back and known how to fight back. But if he was drugged, he wouldn't have fought back very well.
1: Yeah. But see, then that that leads into, like, um, premeditation so, like, what would have been that motivation behind just drugging him and beating the shit out of him or killing him?
0: Yeah, by the bartenders? Yeah, or by, like, or by whoever. Well, I, <sighs> there's a theory. This is a very loose theory that I didn't even want to include in it because I feel like it's such an off-the-wall off, off the wall kind of theory. But it's a theory about the smiley face killers. I was gonna ask if he was found on the Fort Wayne River. Yeah, they, I'm, there's this theory about the smiley face killers, which I don't want to go too in-depth in, but it's, A group of killers that take young men.
1: Yeah, like college-age men.
0: mm Mm-hmm. And kill them, assault them, whatever. And they are found in bodies of water, most predominantly. And near their bodies or the crime scene is a smiley face drawn in, like, spray paint or something. It's I don't think it's real. (laughs) Yeah, you go
1: to any town, there's a smiley face tagged somewhere. Within a 10-mile radius
0: of anywhere. Yeah. Especially in the city. Yes. But also think about Kevin as a minority. Could somebody have wanted to drug him for that? Um, no, human like, trafficking. Yes. Okay. Human trafficking. Could somebody have wanted to drug him and saw that he was dropped off and was there alone? And if he had been at the bar, like the the bouncers and the bartenders had stated before, that he kind of just kept to himself. Um so it makes me wonder, was somebody noticing that over time and they drugged him to take him?
1: Yeah. Well, and you know what? I know this is like really far-fetched only because it's something that people don't really talk about. But people get kidnapped and their organs get harvested all the time too. Yeah. Like that's a thing that happens that nobody – Yeah. that we don't even really add to the list of anything. And that's mm-hmm. a possibility as well. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So, and that would explain – sorry. No goal. Like younger – college age men healthy yep you know that would be maybe the smiley face killers are black market organ dealers yeah maybe <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are three rivers connecting in this particular area and the route kevin took he would have had to cross a bridge could he have fallen in possibly but the issue i find with this is he would have had to eventually been found or at least something of his would have been found The search parties looked along the riverbank several times and they found nothing. There's also a water filtration plant near, so something would have had to have come up eventually. I know
1: exactly where that is. We used to kayak that area with the St. Joe River and the Fort Wayne River. And then I don't remember the name of the small St. Mary's. Mary's. Yeah. So and that water treatment plant is like right next to that where they all converge. Mm -hmm. And yeah, even I know it happened in December, but even come that summer, people are constantly kayaking yeah, something river. would have been found. Yeah, like...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It, it, no, you're fine. Um, could someone have followed him after he left the bar? Especially to take into... This is... Especially if you take into consideration if he were drugged at the bar. Could someone have picked him up along his walk back home? It was cold. It was dark. It was two to three in the morning. If someone saw him wearing nothing but a thin sweatshirt stopped and he decided he did want to ride after all, when he had four miles to walk, he could have easily been kidnapped. Considering his belongings have never been found. I think this is something to really think about. Once a month, Kevin's family and friends still hold a walk for Kevin or a candlelit vigil for him. By joining the Facebook group his father Lance Runs, help bring Kevin Newen home, you can stay up to date about these walks and vigils and see the wonderful memories about Kevin or get any information his dad and family and friends want to share about the case. If you have any tips, leads, or were at the brass rail or surrounding area and saw something odd on the night of December 8th into the morning of December 9th, please contact Crime Stoppers at 260-436-7867. At this point, even the smallest bit of information may help this case. So what are your thoughts and ideas? Okay. <clears throat>
1: My first thought is, why was he let back in after the first time he got kicked out?
0: I think he snuck back in. And this is the issue is that it says one to four times. That the there's no
1: not that big, though.
0: It's not. I've never no. been there.
1: No. I don't believe it's very big. I've never been there either, but I don't believe it's a very big bar. Hmm. And especially well, if, if there's regulars, a bouncer at the would, front door. Yeah. And he would be recognized. He, you said he went there frequently enough that they knew who he was. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be able to just sneak in and, but maybe they had a soft spot for him. Maybe he's like, I'm really sorry. Like I'll behave. And yeah. Yeah. But once someone gets out of control, don't let them. I mean,
0: yeah, you can't for the, yeah,
1: you call him a cab. They don't have to take the cab. But call him a cab, get him out, be done with it. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I- he
1: definitely shouldn't have been let in after that first time. I, I mean,
0: You'd think not, but somehow he kept getting in, whether it be one time or, I mean, that's the confusing part is it says one to four times. I saw he was uh, absolutely kicked out twice. Well, and
1: the bartender and the bouncers should be able to talk and know the exact number of times he was kicked out. That should not be a... A speculation. Or... Well,
0: when they're not being questioned by the police, oh, the evidence true. is so yeah.
1: It's just
0: hearsay. Yeah. Ugh. Unless they're w- they were willing to come forward and talk to the police or talk to the family about what was going on, that's why everything's so. Well, uh, I don't know. They can't see the footage to have exact times t- and timestamps on when Kevin was leaving, when he was being kicked out.
1: That was my next question. Yeah, because that see now that doesn't make sense to me because if. The owner has those cameras. The cops have that information. Are they just not releasing it? They don't want to work with the family. It's got to be deeper than that. It's like, no, I don't want to work with you. Well, if they could
0: say if they're saying there's nothing of concern, there's nothing of concern on that footage, but they would have seen him. Okay, so what I read is that it's really well known around the area that the owner lives across the street and he has a bunch of cameras pointed towards the bar. Totally understandable. If he is that concerned about what's happening at the bar, you know he's got cameras in the back. So they would know for sure if the bouncer and whoever else took him in the back of the bar in the parking lot and assaulted him.
1: And I will say most businesses keep cameras on their dumpsters. Yep. Because people dump and that costs them money to get that trash hauled.
0: Yep. Absolutely.
1: That's very common in like local business.
0: But like I said... There there was no signs of blood. There was no signs of a struggle or anything in the back parking lot. So that makes... Except me-
1: for his glasses.
0: Except for his That's glasses. Just, I mean... But if he was not of sound mind, he could have went in the out the back um, when he was getting taken out of the bar, dropped his glasses if he was incoherent of what was going on. But on that second vid- video footage, he was walking fine. Not like the first footage where he seemed a That's little bit messed
1: strange, up. strange, too. That it was... Yeah. After
0: and I think it's really odd that there's no footage anywhere else. How many businesses are in that area? It's a really popular area. Why is there not any more cameras from anywhere else?
1: Well, are the cops even pursuing the cameras? Is the question? The
0: cops aren't. The That's family what I'm was. Prob- the family was the one that had. They were the ones that got the Arby's footage. His family. Yeah,
1: but you have to have. I mean, if a company doesn't want to release that they don't have to unless
0: unless the cops cops, yeah yeah Yeah, because it was the arby's arby's the the family went in there talked to arby's and the manager was the one that went back and showed them the footage found the footage and showed it to him so yeah i don't (sighs) there's no responsibility there's no i don't even want to say responsibility there's no want to help no
1: yeah so there's obviously i mean I don't want to say obviously, but it seems like there's something shady going on in one of those parties because why, what like, I, I don't even know how to, I'm at a loss for words. Like, why isn't, why isn't there anything? Well, and why is yeah, nobody?
0: Why would you not want to show the footage or come forward with any footage if there's nothing to see? And I know that's a case of, you know, you can't always blame by not, somebody not, cooperating quote-unquote yeah they might have other illegal
1: activities going on too that they don't want seen or
0: they're just saying listen this is take my word for it there's nothing going on that's that's not how it works though <laughs> uh, yeah but you know what i mean like that's what's going on with the case of the brass rail there was nothing to suspect so they're not willing to give the family which makes it look fishy
1: i just don't understand why the cops aren't involved
0: at all in anything because he was a 25 year old man and he can willingly leave on his own. I know, but... Just like every other case where they're an adult, they can leave on their own.
1: It's like if a person who had trouble walking because they had surgery on their leg and you found their cane behind a dumpster, you would be concerned about their mm-hmm. well-being because they can't walk properly. Absolutely. So why is finding his glasses behind a dumpster any different? He can't freaking see. Mm-hmm. I just said freaking. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even say I agree. <laughs> it doesn't
0: make any sense. None of it makes sense. And
1: the most annoying part is it could have just been an opportunity cartoonist who just saw him and stabbed him and threw him in a dumpster and yep he's
0: just gone yep oh, or he could just be or he like could this. have had a mental health crisis got picked up by somebody and is li- living out of state it could literally oh, be my anything Lord. stop it <laughs> yeah it could literally be anything yeah and cracks, that cracks under
1: the pressure of college wants to get out get free what's that movie um with emile hirsch uh into the wild yeah he burns all his shit leaves his car there with no license plate and just it takes off. Yeah. It could oh, literally really be anything. We're...
0: There is no there's no direct leads. That's crazy. To anything that, that could have happened to Kevin. Where he is. What's going on. Like, mo- a lot of cases, it's, like, kind of obvious. But they don't have the evidence to be able to support.
1: Yeah, but, like, there's kind of this aura that everybody kind of knows what happened. Yes. Yeah. This is not one of those this cases. This is not one of
0: those cases. It could be anything.
1: That is so frustrating. I... I don't – he doesn't sound like kind of that guy that would just take off, especially since his glasses were smashed. I mean, that that right there tells you something happened to him.
0: Well, and I mean, obviously, we don't know his family. But from everything that I've gathered by what they've been posting on social media, they love Kevin immensely. They were a very close-knit family. Um, his dad, Lance, is all the time posting on the Facebook group, trying to reach out. Um, trying to let people know, like when they um, do the walks or do the vigils or put up new billboards like he's definitely keeping this case, breathing life into it himself.
1: Yeah, Um, that's smart because it's still it's still early. Like, I know it's been three years, but I mean, we talk about cold cases from the 50s that get solved and, you know, yeah. So it's still fresh in people's minds. These kids are still living. Some of them are probably still in school going to the same
0: bar on Mm -hmm. Friday nights. So someone definitely knows something. Yeah, Um, I'd say so. Someone saw Kevin. Someone saw what had went on. Why nobody is coming forward is the issue and the problem. Um, And like I stated before, you can call Crime Stoppers. You can submit tips completely anonymously. But Kevin deserves to be found. His family deserves to get answers. This is such a new, fresh case, and it it it's just so frustrating. Like, there's nothing; nobody wants to cooperate.
1: Yeah, I'm mad at the cops. You're yeah. that four-way in police. I'm calling you out. <laughs> I'm mad. Do something.
0: So that's the story of Kevin Nguyen. Um, thank you guys for tuning in again, so we can share another story that deserves to be solved next week ashley and i will be taking a break for new year's but the following week we will be back for ashley to tell us a case don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform to stay up to date on missing and unsolved cases out of indiana feel free to rate and review on apple podcasts and now spotify you can follow us on all popular social media facebook instagram twitter and tiktok for clips photos and updates on episodes We are on YouTube as well, which we'll be posting video podcasts once we get into the studio, which we're super excited about. If there are any cases you'd like us to cover or anything you'd like to say to us, please feel free to contact us on social media or email us at MurdNerds at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. From us at MurdNerds, we hope you have a wonderful holiday and a happy new year. Bye-bye! Bye! Bye.